0: On this episode of AV Week, we look at the power of rebranding to raise your profile, the impact of big data in the AV industry, and mergers and acquisitions in the future of the AV industry. All that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What
2: are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode five sixty two, recorded Friday, May twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. Big AV
2: support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure Sound, extraordinary.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audio visual news and information. My name is Tim, Wilford, your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. Uh, this is a all star cast I want to point out first and foremost Melissa Dillman from STARE and Marketing. Welcome, ma'am.
2: Hello, thank you, Tim.
0: Absolutely. And Mr. Bill Natris from
1: Biamp. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you, Tim. And great to see you again, Melissa. You well, me too, Bill. It's been a while.
0: It's like <laughs> Old Homes Week. I'm just gonna sit back and let them talk for an hour. That's just that's how this is going to work. Um so we're we're two weeks out. Well actually we can by the time this post about a week week and a half out from Infocom. So we'll cover that in a second. Um Melissa and Stan Marketing are, our fan, are one of our fantastic sponsors, title sponsors of the Aviation uh, Tweet Up on Wednesday from 4 to 6, uh, so you can register for that at Aviation Nation and we'll point all that stuff um, on this episode's page as well. Uh, first up and foremost, from our friends over at AV Magazine, talking with Group Managing Director Tim Griffin from Exertus, he says that they see a... An increase in mergers and acquisitions, both from a an actual uh, M and A standpoint, but also a, a way to leverage and an increase profits uh, and profitability, both in North, Ameri- both in North America, uh, as well as Europe throughout. Uh, Melissa, we'll start with you on this. Uh, you two, you and you and Bill, have different uh, perspectives on this, as it were. Uh, Melissa's group, um, Stair Marketing, uh, was ac- acquired a couple of years ago by Midwich, but when you look at the market, not just Midwich and, and Steren, but the overall market, how much more mergers and acquisitions can we get to until there's one overarching, like we all work for for our Google overlord?
2: Right. Um, that's a great question, Tim. I mean, we are seeing a ton of acquisitions. Um, certainly, I think during during this time, part of it becomes that it is probably less expensive to buy somebody who already has the expertise in a vertical or market that you want than it is to try to build it. Um, So I know, you know, we've seen a ton of acquisitions this year. We've seen a lot of companies just continuing to get larger and larger. You know, there's room in the market for everybody. I think everyone has their space. But I think we'll continue in these uh, uncertain economic economic times. So I think we'll continue to see even more uh, as we go forward.
0: All right, uh, Bill. I said that you guys have different perspectives because Biamp has been doing a number of acquiring uh, on right. that side. So, so where do you guys see this this heading?
1: Well. Yeah, there's there's manufacturing acquisitions and M and A's. There's engineering firm acquisitions, M A's. There's the integrator side and, and you know the dealership side. We you know we can look at all of those. I think we're going to see this continue. I think it's going to increase, and there's a couple of different factors. Manufacturers that haven't been able to respond uh, appropriately. Or, or easily or readily to the supply chain issues, they're seeing huge increases in costs, and and that's affecting their bottom line. Affect the bottom line, you affect their value, it, all these other things that go on with that. So I think we are going to see um, other companies swallowing up smaller companies, you know, things like that. Um, the integration channel side, I'm actually very concerned about because. Here's a number of companies that, you know, they're non-stocking dealers. They never intend to stock. They were always about bring the equipment in for the project, build up the project, issue an invoice, move on. Um, They're not able to do that right now uh, and haven't been able to do that. And, you know, I've been in at at some dealer uh, offices and warehouses and, and, you know, rack up areas. And, you know, you see empty shelves. Um, and, and pick techs sitting there, you know, they're trying to get the product in so they can do anything with it. And yeah, it's great that certain manufacturers can provide them product, uh, but others can't, and that stops or slows down the entire project for them. That's putting increased strain on their ability to, to deal with cash flow. And thus, you know, do they need to look at mergers and acquisitions on on their side to get out from under the weight of what's going on. Now, because of my role within BIAMP uh, uh, and my prior experience as a consultant, I, of course, am watching the the specifier community very closely. We are already seeing the engineering firms that are swallowing up uh, the ICT groups or the specialty consultancies and, and bringing them into a single banner as another discipline or an offshoot of, of, you know, the work that they already have. Um, I definitely think that's going to be on the rise. There's, there's a number of companies, engineering, large engineering firms that have been in the, the mergers and acquisition role for a period of time. Um, you know, uh, Salis O'Brien, IMEG companies like that, 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 most of the AV integration space doesn't even realize these companies are out there and these companies are issuing specs, but they're going to start to see those names. They're going to start to see those brands. So it, it's, it's going to happen and it's going to happen in spades. And I think it's going to continue maybe even into 2024. So
0: let me take two different angles here and I'll ask, this is yeah, either one of you can answer this, but, but the first one is, Yes, on the manufacturing side, there are folks that are that are you know the bigger companies are are, are kind of acquiring the smaller ones or um, the ones that that need to to offset some things. Like I'm, I'm thinking of, of Plantronics and Poly uh, Polycom a couple of years ago, and now they've been acquired by HP, right? Uh, you've got Jabra and our, our friends over at Panacast, right? So now the Panacast camera um, is is a Jabra product, right? So so Jabra is trying to get in the camera side then you've got so so that happens right harman you know uh, acquired a number of amplifiers and, and speakers and then certain suddenly you know samsung acquired harman out of that though you've got these unique nimble smaller companies and and i want to point out something and, and this isn't a commercial they're just folks that i know but lea amplifiers right lea amplifiers the the core of that came out of harman right uh, our friends over at Atlas IED, which you know, um, you know, complete uh, disclosure, Atlas is one of our, our main sponsors at Aviation. They hired a number of Harman em- um, uh, employees, Harman engineers, and that that's helped them develop a number of products. Are, are we? Do, does that kind of offset the 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 concern over the larger merchant acquisitions? Because out of those out of those ashes, as it were, right out of those acquisitions, smaller, more more nimble, more more, um, capable companies may, may, uh, may, sp- may prop up. Nothing think Okay. That's fine. You know, I'm, so I'm
2: crazy. Before Bill starts I'll, I'll throw this in right now. So one thing piggybacking off what Bill said, it's great to be a distributor. Um, he's right. Integrators not necessarily wanting to hold cash on the shelf. Um, so as my role in a, as in distribution, um, they're coming to us. And it really is a sell what you have right now. The problem we see is some of these more niche product manufacturers are so overwhelmed with orders they can't keep up. So when you look at some of the new upstarts, the younger companies while nimble, I wonder if they can maintain production. Um, We have some niche product that's critical in signal flow. Everything else I can support, yet it comes down to transport and finding someone who can do the transport because they're just so backlogged. So, yeah, today's the day that if you have the product, if you can put together and maintain uh, manufacturing, you're on a gold mine. The problem is I don't see anybody who's really strong enough to hold that line right now.
1: There is something to be said for distribution right now. You're exactly correct because... You know, if a I manufacturer can't, can't produce the product for somebody, distribution can't get it for them either. So, <laughs> but they might have something else. And and you know, I work for Biamp. Biamp uses distribution globally, not in the United States. We we do it direct here. But um, I think you know, Tim. Some of the things that you talked about, you know, with with LEA and and you know, people coming from from this company or that company there has been the major shift, you know, not just so much the great resignation, but people leaving companies that they've been at for a very long time and going somewhere else. And, and, you know, there's obviously, um, there's obviously some inside information in regards to, you know, why did people leave Harmon and form Leah and, and all this sort of stuff? Harmon, Harmon laid off half their staff. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. So, you know, we don't need to get into all of that. That's not, that's not the key. One of the things that always concerns me about when people talk about mergers and acquisitions is the fact that, oh, it's never going to be the same company again, or, oh, they, they're totally changing the culture, or, you know, just because somebody bought somebody else. Well, you know, here's what we need to remember. There's this thing called the stock exchange in New York, and there's other stock exchanges all around the world. People are buying pieces of companies every day. And they're selling pieces of companies every day. Does that company have a product? Can they deliver that product? Do they support that product? Do they have an ecosystem that that allows the integrator dealer channel and the consultancies and the specifiers to to get that solution in place? That's what's going to matter. It doesn't necessarily matter what the brand name is on the door. So, or who owns who. So So
2: in, in what we've seen on the integration side for mergers and acquisitions, it's not so much companies buying other companies, right? As it is, there's a finance company at the head of this, right? They're all beholden to some financier of some sort. What happens if the economy tanks, the stock market tanks, their investment tank, do they start cutting off these AV integrators that they've formed, these monsters? Do they start piecing them out? Or are they invested enough in our industry to ride out the storm? Oh, no, I'm asking the questions, Tim. Sorry.
0: Well, yeah, that's fine. And, and, and I'll, let, I'll let Bill answer that. But what I would say is it depends on where they're at in that investment cycle right um, I, I know enough to be dangerous here so don't take financial advice from me but anyways shape, or form, right But my understanding of these folks is, is there's a cycle right they they they're coming in at X amount and they expect to grow and, and, and have a, a return on their, their investment um, of a certain percentage. If they're down right uh, and they forecast that they're just gonna lose their shirts uh, and they're gonna take a bath as it were then yeah, they'll dump it. But if they think that it's, you know, from a financial standpoint, and they've got the, as, as a buddy of mine says, they've got the nerds in the back room with the calculators saying, oh, yeah, write this out. It'll be fine in two years or three years. Then they'll do what what the nerds say, I
1: think, is my, is my two cents on that. Job stability is always going to be any individual's concern, no matter what the state of the economy is or the state of your business is. So yeah. All righty. Uh, from our website, uh, Kramer. Uh, presents a
0: new vision and a new brand at ISE 2022. Yes, I know it feels like a hundred years ago. It wasn't. It was two, two weeks ago. We were uh, we just came back from Barcelona and we are heading to Vegas. So, uh, but Kramer came out with a brand new uh, logo, a brand new vision, and kind of a new uh, you know a new mission. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of, of new folks at the helm. Um, Bill, I'm going to start with you on this. You you've seen this more than once where a company has tried to reinvent themselves, uh, remarket themselves. Where, where are we at with that? Is it is it, is it too late for Kramer to, to kind of reinvent themselves and, and bring a, a new face? Or, or are the the predominantly IT folks that are running Kramer now, do they have a, a shot at this?
1: I do think they have a shot at this. And, and I I don't want this to come off negative, but if you go back to my early portion of my career, Kramer was never looked at as a quality audiovisual uh, product product. Uh, mainly because of how it was marketed, how it was sold in the U S it was always kind of looked at as that, that tier two or tier three widget thingy. And, and so a rebranding and new vision from that perspective probably was a very good move for, for Kramer. You know, do they have quality solutions? Do they have functional devices, things like that? Most definitely, but I don't think they were ever able to get over that hurdle of perception to, and I'll put it in my generation. I'll put it on my generation of AV that, that you know, it just wasn't that good of stuff. Um, you know, so, so rebranding is probably a very good idea for them. And, and you know, the timing might be a question, but then again, when is it ever a good time to rebrand? So uh, When you need to. <laughs> yeah. is the answer to that <laughs> when you need to when you
0: so, need to so uh melissa i honestly didn't even when i when i picked the stories i didn't even put to data because you've been at staring for so long but melissa worked for kramer uh once upon a time in fact my my first uh my very first infocom uh, my very first class and still one of my favorites was melissa dillman uh, working for kramer teaching us all about hdmi and, and the evils of hdcp uh, so both from you, your standpoint of as a distributor now, but also as a former employee, it, it, are they doing the right thing here and trying to, to rebrand and, and, come, you know, raise the profile from a, a tier three or a tier two?
2: So, you know, I, I think Bill does suffer from old timers, right? Um, <laughs> there was a period as we see happens in the AV industry frequently, I bought a product in 1822 and it hiccuped. And then forever, you're no longer quality. Kramer's went through several revolutions of, of quality standards and and I do think they had a period there that their quality had had become um, very high. I don't know if Kramer is Kramer without Dr. Kramer.. Right? Sure. Dr. Kramer, um, I, my fondest memories of him are at InfoCom. And he was like a he was like a mad scientist with widgets in his pocket. And this is what I'm working on next. And you never knew what he was gonna pull out um with his next big idea. So I don't know if Kramer if if it were me, I'm not sure I would continue with Kramer name or I'd make it more of a, a subtitle. I think if they're gonna be more IT focused, they probably ought to just go ahead and and bite the bullet and take the name change. I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited. You know, the new branding looks great. They've got a, a obviously a good marketing department. So I look forward to seeing what they have to offer.
0: So Melissa and, and Bill, free to chime in on this, but she's brought it up. So I'll ask her directly. When, when uh, Mr. Feldstein from Crestron fame, he passed away, Crestron still maintain, now we can argue whether or not Crestron is the same Crestron as they were 20 years ago. That's a different conversation. I would argue, though, um, again, even though they are a sponsor, I would still argue that they've still maintained a level of innovation right, and a, a level of edge. Can, can Kramer not still you know, capture that? Certainly not with a with a Dr. Kramer or even, you know, because uh, my buddy Yuval, uh, who was Dr. Kramer's son, he's also left uh, Kramer. So could they not get the right talent and still maintain that edge? Or, or is it, you know, it's not Dr. Kramer's joint, so they need to change the name.
1: I
2: think, you know, Crestron, yes, there's been changes, but they've all, it's not been because they were acquired and someone new came in. Kramer has always been a family business. And, you know, to some extent, Yuval was very active in the audio side. Both um, sons were active within the business. Dr. Kramer obviously drove it. So I think the difference is when someone from the outside comes in and acquires them, I'm not sure the value of carrying on the Kramer name without a Kramer um, have, will have as much success. If, if there's a time to rebrand your name, it's now.
0: All right. Uh, last story here comes to us from uh, My Tech Decisions, why data and analytics are critical in the digital era. Uh, they write about the fact that that as we continue to add more and more, they, they make reference to AI and big data, um, it's becoming more and more crucial for this. But uh, Melissa, I want to start with you. When we look at the new systems and the new rooms that that folks are putting in as we go back to work, one of the selling points, and I honestly, there's very few folks that I can point to that don't do this, most most manufacturers are saying, we can give you X, Y, and Z when it comes to data analytics, or we can give you the, the raw data here. What exactly do customers want? What do they need? And, and quite frankly, what can they do with the data even when they get it?
2: So in my opinion, this becomes really critical in the big cities okay. where the big money for real estate lives. So I want to be able to test. I want to know how often is this conference room used? Is it worth the money I'm spending on the space? Um, we can go down, you know, there are products out there right now that are testing the air quality of the room, the humidity, the temperature. To me, that seems like a lot of data that I don't know that I would have time to enjoy. Um, but the activities of the rooms, I think we've neglected for a long time. Um, is there, you know, a prime example, some of the higher security facilities, they have great meeting spaces inside the security doors, but they also have a meeting space outside. Well, which room gets used more? And they come to find out that it's the one outside of security because it's less hassle, right? So why am I paying for the big room inside? It also gives me some insight as to, you know, what are my security protocols that are preventing my people from taking meetings that perhaps should be behind those doors, but because it's too difficult, they go ahead and use What's in front of security. Um, I don't know that I run into it in the rural areas as much that they're that concerned. But certainly where real estate is a factor. And I think right now there's such a unknown. Um, I'm seeing kind of in the market a lot of people saying, hey, we were going back. We're coming back. We're coming back. And maybe they tried and then they stalled. And they went back to, okay, maybe we're not going to be full back. We're now going to do hybrid, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm seeing the dates of we're coming back being pushed out to the, towards the end of the year. At some point, they're going to want to know, you know, how much space do I really need? What's being used? And make sure that we are getting the most out of those spaces, not leaving space left unused.
0: I'll, 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 finish the conversation in a second with that. You know, we're coming back cause I'm hearing two different things too. Bill, same kind of question. What kind of data do we need and what the, do, what do the clients need and want?
1: Well, we, we, we need to realize that the data collection sensors is what's changed and, and who grabs that data. Um, We are in a shift right now where the data collecting sensors associated with our industry is actually software packages that are running on computers, and it's the IT departments that are getting the analytics from that. Who's in the room versus who's remote? That's very important data points. We're also seeing that, to the facility perspective, the smart building concepts and these types of things, you know, we went through the pandemic where nobody was in the offices at all, so they were able to shut the buildings down or, or minimally heat and cool them, to now I can no longer use the algorithm of Monday morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to have 80% of my desks occupied, to now they're looking at, okay, how many people have, key carded in so that i know how many bodies are in the space and i can adequately heat or cool to that and that's the level of data acquisition that's going on now and systems are reacting to it okay um we know that we have um, you know through through you know the Zoom platform, through Teams platform, through GoToMeeting, et cetera, the inter the interconnectivity there is already occurring of I'm not gonna be in the room. I'm gonna be remote. Well, I've already seen some circumstances where the smart building technology is mining that data and is appropriately prepping the room, saying, okay, each body is a 100-watt light bulb. There's going to be five bodies in this room in an hour. I need to cool the room down to prepare for that. Is that something that's an AV space thing? No, not really, because it's an AV room, but it's something that's going on, and it's the type of adaptive intelligence that is happening in real time today uh, in these environments. So I'm going to ask probably a dangerous question and, and as we wrap up here.
0: At what point does this, be, does this stop being data analytics and useful for becoming green, for energy conservation, for money savings? And when does it step into Big Brother? And when does it over overreach? Or, or is the fact that you know what I'm, I'm in an office, I'm in my my employer's office, I should be expected, I should expect to be looked on, spied on? I Quite quite so has
2: So I think you're doing that even now remotely. Yeah. And there are companies that can monitor keystrokes and how much time am I spending and where am I spending it. Big Brother's there, I think, no matter what. Um, that's a different issue for you and your company, depending on that level of security, right, and how much do you want. just depends on what, what sector you're in, what you're doing. Some companies, it's obviously more critical than others. And I agree with Bill. The smart buildings thing's been going on for a long time with the green buildings. AVs always struggled to not be a negative mark on that AV uh, on the green section, right? Because we just keep using power. I think the data has always been there. It's the first time I think maybe AV so much is really jumping in to say, okay, we'll give you our analytics. Um, Combined, there are folks that, you know, spend their lives just analyzing that. I think we're adding on to what they probably already know.
0: All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you guys so much. Um,
1: well, I had another great well, point you, for Well, me. you didn't say anything, so I'm... One of the things, you know, yes, there's always going to be that big brother and, and employees will end up voting with their feet of whether they think big brother is too much within an organization, okay? Where the organizations are changing and where they're using big data is actually in the UX and company employee satisfaction perspective. Am I comfortable at my desk? Am I happy at my desk? Well, we right now we already know. If you're coming back into the office, people aren't happy about that. So companies have to become more Apple-esque and Google-esque and, and you know provide all those things and and that 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 relaxing environment and and those pods, that type of thing. But also, is that employee being more efficient? And is there data that can help the company help that employee become more efficient? And is that, you know, if the the employee is feeling a benefit or a positive out of that, is that truly invasive? So I think we are going to start to see some things that, that you know, how did they set their lighting? Well, did they set their lighting because they prefer to work in a very bright environment or do they want to be in a more subdued environment? Those types of things are personal preference, personal comfort. And if we can be bringing data analytics to that to improve the, the employee's experience, I think you're going to see a, a very different outcome. And I will kind of on that
0: do you have the option to adjust your lighting,
1: right? Uh, there are some, yes. Uh, as LED lighting is becoming more prevalent, that LED lighting is being driven by POE network switches. Uh, people are given the ability, in some instances, to be able to adjust the light that's right there. Um, there are some products that it's color temperature correctness or adjustment. Um there are, uh, you know, I'm aware of some some you know large large square footage floors, open office area where this coordination or this quadrant is set up with a much higher uh, Kelvin temperature lighting than this quadrant over here is, and people just go in the into the hoteling desk where they're more comfortable with the light, the space, the sound, etc. And and yeah yeah, I brought up sound. There's the whole there's the whole concept out there of you know bring nature into the office space, whether it's the green plants and things like that, but augmented by sounds of nature coming into the into the space, all of that can be adjusted, tuned, adding people's
0: desire to it. I'll give you one better than that, and it's not the sound of nature; it's the absence of sound. Um, I uh, a number of years ago, our, our buddies over at uh hooked us up with some soundproofing, um, and Mitchell's our producer and editor. His office is is gorgeous. I want to I want to sit in his room because he's got all these panels and you walk into it and it's it's dead. You know that's what I want. (laughs) That's what I want versus you know the the reverberance of my own office. That's beside the point. All right. Uh, Thanks guys so much, Uh, Melissa. How do people connect with you or Staring?
2: Well, you know you're gonna see me at Infocom. So stop by and see us. Booth West Hall, 1903. Right at the center front row, we'll be uh, happy to have a chat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you'll also uh, get to hang out and, and see the, uh, the the podcast um, uh, camp that uh, our buddy Mr. Netto is putting together, too, in Starrinsburg.
2: You'll probably have a sighting of Mr. Netto. And just for flavor and fun, we're we'll bringing some of the Europeans over.
0: So. Well, that, that's, you know, appreciate that, too. <laughs> uh, some class, as it were. Some just,
2: class to street. lighten up the place. There we go.
0: All right. Mr. Nattrass, how do people connect with you or Biamp? Well,
1: Biamp obviously Biamp.com, and there's also the you know the hashtag Biamp. You know you can get some of what's going on there. You can track us on LinkedIn as well. But for that wonderful trade show called Infocom, I will be spending most of my time in the West Hall, Booth 2603. We do also have a uh, uh, speaker demo room that's on the upper level of of. Uh, of the West Hall. We're only able to do demos on the odd hours, though. And I apologize, I don't have that booth or that room number here in front of me, but uh, I'll be splitting my time between those places when I'm not teaching
0: classes. If you go to infocomshow.org and type in BIAMP, it will pop up. I will guarantee you. So, all right. Uh, thank you both so much uh, for for me, for Tim break. Don't go, uh, don't follow me on the Twitters, uh, but go by the website aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. We will also be heading to Las Vegas the 8th through the 10th of June, uh, so you can find all sorts of uh, videos and uh, information on that. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, Sterren is fantastic, and they are sponsoring our, our annual tweet-up, our networking event. I I, I I started jokingly calling this a walkthrough event, but actually anymore I don't. It, it is it is a pregame to the rest of your evening on Wednesday from 4 to 6 on, uh, on June 8th. Uh, over in the West Hall. So you can register for that at aviation.tv and a number of other events. So all that and more at aviation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.